San Francisco 49ers passing game coordinator Clint Kubiak is the New Orleans Saints' last best chance to energize their fan base. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? I am Ross Jackson, your native New Orleanian, and of course, New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media as a senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to give you our news notes, standouts, everything you need to know from the first day of the Senior Bowl. We're going to rank the remaining offensive coordinator positions that are open around the league and take a look at where the New Orleans Saints fall within those rankings. And to get everything started here, we're going to hit why Clint Kubiak, the San Francisco 49ers passing game coordinator, is the Saints' last best chance when it comes to their offensive coordinator search, which continues to dwindle in candidacy by the day. Appreciate you very much, as always, for being an everyday or making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Saints is brought to you by friends over at FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Um... Not good news for the New Orleans Saints when it comes to their offensive coordinator search, and it feels like there's one remaining top candidate that this team should be keenly focused on and should do everything that they need to do to get in the building, and that remaining candidate is passing game coordinator Clint Kubiak. Right now, and as of today on Tuesday as I record this, Houston Texans quarterback coach Gerard Johnson, who is another one of those top candidates for the New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator spot, He has informed all the teams that he was interviewing with that he will remain in Houston as the quarterback coach going back to D'Amico Ryans, going back to C.J. Stroud, and he follows in the footsteps of current offensive coordinator over in Houston, Bobby Slowick, who made the same announcement earlier that day as well. So Houston keeps intact its offensive coaching staff, which is huge for the Houston Texans. But honestly, for you as a Saints fan, this sucks because this is really That was Gerard Johnson, one of the last remaining top candidates when it comes to this position. Zach Robinson, a guy that the Saints scheduled a second interview with, he went to Atlanta with his good friend, Raheem Morris. Dan Pitcher, another guy that the Saints scheduled a second interview with, he stuck around in Cincinnati. Shane Waldron, Saints didn't get a second interview with him. They interviewed him. He was one of the first guys that they spoke with. He, of course, took that position over in Chicago, and now Gerard Johnson stays put in Houston. So who's left in terms of the top candidates? Well, clearly Clint Kubiak is one of those top candidates for sure. And I will be honest, if the New Orleans Saints don't get Clint Kubiak, he can't find a way to hire Clint Kubiak as their next offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator search, depending upon who they land, is probably going to feel like a bit of a failed experiment. And that's going to be a very unfortunate situation, not only for Saints fans who are wanting to see this team improve on the offensive side, upgrade, update on the offensive side, but it's going to be really frustrating for the New Orleans Saints as well, because what are they going to do? Re-enter the offensive coordinator search next year? Or if they can't improve their offense, do they end up tearing everything down if the season doesn't go well in 2024? That's the road of possibility that all of a sudden you're on the road to guys like Mike Sullivan, guys like um, 
Uh, Brian Greasy, who we don't really know is really a full-on candidate just yet based on the fact that he doesn't have very much coaching experience, but does have 10 years of quarterback experience, but falling back on them or, or going back to an internal hire like a Ronald Curry, a guy that they should have turned to halfway through the season back in 2023, those aren't going to move the needle the way that a Clint Kubiak would have the way or or would, uh, the way that a Gerard Johnson would have, the way that a Zach Robinson would have. And the Saints just added two more candidates. So while the list is sort of slimming down. They're also continuing to add new candidates as well. They spoke with uh, Baltimore Ravens wide receivers coach uh, Greg Lewis, a guy that has spent a lot of time. He's uh, in the NFL. He's actually been with the New Orleans Saints before back in 2015 as an offensive assistant, served as a wide receiver coach under Doug Peterson in um, in in Philadelphia, uh, wide receiver coach and running back under Andy Reid with Kansas City. Those are good coaching trees to have gotten a little bit of experience with. And this past offseason, or this past season, rather, spent time with the Baltimore Ravens, got a pretty good season out of a guy like Zay Flowers outside of like melting down during the uh, AFC championship game. But is he somebody that's really going to inspire a lot of confidence over the offseason from players, from potential free agents, from the fan base? Uh, that's going to be a hard sell. They also added Luke Getze. Uh, to their to their search as well. This is a guy that uh, was a part of a team that was one and seven against teams with winning records, right? The Chicago Bears got a little bit better towards the end of the season, but we shouldn't confuse overall team improvement with simply offensive improvement because the defense got a lot stronger towards the end of the season as well. Lauren Cox from over at Locked On Bears discussed the the Luke Getzey uh, firing. And one of the things that he mentioned was um, issues maximizing playmakers like Cole Komet and DJ Moore. If you couldn't maximize Cole Komet and DJ Moore, do I trust you really to be able to maximize Chris Olave and Alvin Kamara and Rashid Jaheed and Juwan Johnson and so on and so forth? Maybe not. So uh, look, it, it's tough right now to like look at sort of where the Saints are with 11 candidates on their list and four of them now off the board. And that's enough to like look at the rest of the list and go, oh man, I'm getting a little bit concerned here. And so for me, I think for the New Orleans Saints, their focus needs to be on Clint Kubiak. They can start to talk to some of these guys that are coaching in Super Bowl 58 this week before they go back into getting ready for their Super Bowl next week. I wouldn't expect any news to come from a Clint Kubiak or a Brian Greasy until after February 11th because it's my birthday. No, I'm just kidding. It is my birthday, but it's not why you want to hear about it. But because of the Super Bowl game, I imagine they'll get past the Super Bowl first. And then the Monday, February 12th is probably when you'll hear something about a guy like Clint Kubiak, maybe heading somewhere to be an offensive coordinator. But at this point, fingers are crossed that unless they add maybe some of the guys that we talked about in uh, the Tuesday or the, yeah, the Tuesday episode, like a, a Mark Brunel or like a, a Tanner Engstrand as more options to potentially come in and be a, um, you know, another late addition to the list, but still be a top candidate, Clint Kubiak feels like almost like that's all that's left of the OC list, even though that's certainly not the case, but he's certainly, but he's without a doubt the next top candidate. I mean, behind him, if if you're not able to get him, I kind of feel like you, you, you go back to Ronald Curry and then you just roll this again in 2024 and then you get ready for to, to do this all over again in 2025, but you might have to make bigger changes by the time you get to 2025 if you do that. I don't know. It's going to be really tough, uh, but anything less than Clint Kubiak at this point is going to feel like a failure uh, to a lot of people that are looking at it. 
I don't entirely agree that it is a failure. We'll have to actually see how it all pans out, but boy, it sure would feel close to one uh, because it felt like the Saints had doors open to several different candidates and door after door after door, those have been closing and therefore so have the pathways of hiring a very good candidate that comes in and really sweeps this offense into what it should have looked like over the course of the past two years in 2024. So We'll see, but Clint Kubiak might be the last best saving grace for the New Orleans Saints when it comes to hiring their next offensive coordinator. And speaking of hiring their next offensive coordinator, the Saints are far from the only team that still haven't hired an OC. Let's break down the positions that are open, the teams that are still open, and where the Saints maybe rank among them, because it's not at the top. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. All the things that are going to bring home a trophy for you will also keep your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything that you need to get your vehicle maintained, leveled up, and at peak performance. Whether it is that you're looking for superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, whatever it is that you're looking for, eBay Motors has you Covered over 122 million parts available for your number one ride or die. You're going to be able to find exactly what it is that you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is, is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts that you need at the prices that you want, it's easy to turn your car into an MVP and start stacking those dubs. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guarantee fit available only to U.S. customers. All right, family, ranking the remaining offensive coordinator positions that are open across the NFL proves one thing, that the New Orleans Saints are not the best landing spot for a top OC. But how far down the list are they? That's what we're breaking down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you very much for being here. And of course, don't forget we are here for you every single day. And we appreciate you making us your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to go and check out Locked on Sports today, the 24-7 national sports stream on YouTube, the first of its kind on YouTube. Make sure you go check it out over at Locked on Sports Today, you can subscribe uh, whenever you're ready. All right, so let's take a look at the, the remaining offensive coordinator positions across the NFL. Right now, I've got six that are open, and then I'm going to put an asterisk on a seventh. The asterisk on the seventh came, come down, come, kind of comes down to what happens with the Washington Commanders. If the Washington Commanders hire a you know an offensive OC that would also be a play caller, then maybe that sends Eric Bieniemy looking for another job elsewhere or something like that. But with Ben Johnson, the OC of the Detroit Lions saying yet again, hey, I'm not, you know, I went out there, I tested the waters. I didn't find a job that I like, which is getting really interesting. Does this guy even want to be a head coach? Um, and then going back to the Detroit Lions, that might not be the case. You might see like Mike McDonald, the DC of Baltimore now head over to Washington or something like that. So with that in mind, we're just going to focus on the six that we know for sure are open. So in no particular order, along with the New Orleans Saints, the teams that still have open OC spots are the Las Vegas Raiders, the Los Angeles uh, Chargers, 
the New England Patriots, the Tennessee Titans, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So those are five other teams in addition to the New Orleans Saints. So let's get all of those ranked. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm taking the Tennessee Titans out of the conversation. Why? Because Brian Callahan, their new head coach who they hired, former offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, will be the play caller in Tennessee. So they'll be looking for an offensive coordinator, but probably one from a different um, sort of uh, a group uh, than the New Orleans Saints who are looking for a play caller and effectively are looking for somebody to just be autonomous over on the offensive side and effectively saying, hey, buddy, this is your team, right? This offense is your team. So that's a different set of qualifications, it's a different tier of OC than what the Tennessee Titans are looking for. So that leaves the Las Vegas Raiders, the Los Angeles Rams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New York, uh, New England Patriots, and the New Orleans Saints. So here are my rankings uh, for uh, the five remaining offensive coordinator play caller spots that are open across the NFL. I've got the Los Angeles Chargers at top. I put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers second. I put the New England Patriots third. Then I've got the New Orleans Saints at four and the Las Vegas Raiders at five. Let's break down why I have it in this order, starting off with the Los Angeles Chargers. And this actually kind of works in favor of the New Orleans Saints because Los Angeles Chargers are kind of a wash. They're a great landing spot for an offensive coordinator. You get the exciting opportunity to work with a Justin Herbert, with you know Keenan Allen, with uh, Austin Eckler. You you get to be a part of the whole Jim Harbaugh storyline and everything. Wherever Jim Harbaugh has gone, he's won. And so because of that, that's a pretty good landing spot for an OC looking for an opportunity. The thing about it is that Jim Harbaugh like Sean Payton, likes a lot of control. So even though he wouldn't be the offensive play caller over in Los Angeles, he might already kind of know who he wants. I mean, they've talked to like a guy (laughs) when it comes to uh, who they're interviewing so far for OC. Uh, Kellen Moore went on his own way. He was a play calling OC. So now he's in Philadelphia and he left. So it's going to be really interesting to see exactly who ends up in Los Angeles. But the benefit for New Orleans is that it might not be somebody that's really on the radar of all the other teams. Jim Harbaugh might identify somebody that he personally wants to work with or has worked with before, pluck them up and then bring them with him to Los Angeles. So with the lack of interviews that they have done and the lack of kind of conversation around that spot, it seems like that's been a little bit more of an insulated quote unquote search as opposed to an external uh, search. So we'll see, or like a fully open search. So we'll see where they end up going with that. Um, But uh, it feels like that might be one that doesn't necessarily, as good as the spot is, doesn't necessarily pull from what it is that New Orleans Saints are looking for, but it would be a great landing spot for a Clint Kubiak, for instance. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think the thing that sells you on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is um, Mike Evans, it's Chris Godwin, it's um, you know an, an exciting season from Baker Mayfield and really showing some improvement in terms of the quarterback that he can be at the next level when you get him a quarterback coach or a quarterback-centric coach, somebody that can build around him like a Dave Canales did last year. Um, some people might disagree with me here. They might say that the Saints are up above the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I think there's a difference when you're a team that like two teams that are very close to one another. They both kind of went with these like middle of the road to slightly above average quarterbacks. Um, They went about it two different ways, but they went to effectively the same level of player or same. I don't want to call it level. I think Derek Carr is a little bit ahead of Baker Mayfield, but I would say just like in general, but I would say that like they're in the same zone of quarterback. They're in the same tier of quarterback or, or, or within a couple of tiers. 
and then put together a really good defense with a defensive head coach and uh, put together some offensive weapons, things like that. Like Tampa and New Orleans went about things pretty similarly, but Tampa made the playoffs and New Orleans didn't. And so I, I got Tampa up above. Um the New England Patriots, I think the thing that makes the New England Patriots so exciting for a potential offensive coordinator is that they could come in and be immediately tied to a head coach that's not going anywhere. Uh, I, I think that the the worst thing you could do is go to a head coach whose future you don't know, right? But tying yourself to a head coach that you know might be out the door, usually totally fine. Tying yourself to a head coach that you know is safe, even better. And Dry Mayo, very safe, very safe spot to land, very good uh, safe organization to land with, clearly a loyal organization, and number three overall selection in the draft, and probably bringing in another quarterback because Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi ain't it, right? Like you get the opportunity to show up and effectively pick the quarterback that you want to work with, and you've got options like Jaden Daniels, and you've got options like Bo Nix, these other guys that might potentially fly up the charts. We'll see exactly how the quarterbacks actually shake out. The way we think about them right now might not be the way that they shake out in April. So we'll see how it all goes. But I do think that that number three overall selection is a world of difference or creates a world of difference between the New England Patriots and the New Orleans Saints. Then I've got the Saints. Then I've got the Las Vegas Raiders. And the reason why I put the Las Vegas Raiders down towards the bottom there is because they have the quarterback situation that just doesn't make any sense. And they're just outside of the opportunity to really be able to do anything about it unless they trade up and go and get a guy that they really want, which they 100% can do. They are well within range to get that done. But can they and will they? Like it's it's enough uncertainty, and there's no fallback plan in the organization that you're you're looking at and going, oh, okay, well, if they don't go and get, you know, if they can't move up to go and get this person, we can still sell this idea. There's it's it's very much where the Saints were last year before they brought in Derek Carr. They had nothing to sell to an offensive coordinator. As and as you can see this year, when they actually have things to sell to an offensive coordinator, they're still struggling to be able to do things in time to get somebody in the building, right? And to get a top candidate in the building. Last year, it they would have been they would have been standing there with with nothing in their hands at all. They would have just gone back to the internal hire right away, uh, which still might have benefited them. Uh, but Pete Carmichael, who's now the offensive senior offensive assistant or expected to be something like the senior offensive assistant over in Denver, um, seems to have to run it back with him last year because they had nothing to sell another offensive coordinator. And it's starting to feel like this year, even with the improvements and even with the things that they've done, maybe they don't have a lot and they have as much to sell as we would like to think that they do. So we'll see how it all works out. But I've got the New Orleans Saints fourth out of that list of total six remaining spots that are presently open. Fourth out of five are the ones that are going to be looking for play calling OCs not the place that you want to be. And look, maybe maybe you bring Tampa down, you bring New Orleans up. I have a hard time putting New Orleans above New England. So maybe at best that they're third out of the five, they're third out of the six. Uh, but in any case, they're not one, they're not two. And that might make things very, very tough for them as they continue to move forward here. So fingers crossed that Clint Kubiak, uh, help me Clint Kubiak, you are my only hope. That could be the situation that we're looking at here. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at the New Orleans Saints notes that I picked up from the Senior Bowl, which players are standing out, who's being watched closely, and of course, a look at our uh, conversation with Jeff Ireland and a little bit more on the OC search as well. Got that coming up for you as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Happy Super Bowl to all those who celebrate. There are so many fun things around the Super Bowl. And one of my favorites 
are some of the bets that you can get your hands on. Like right now over at FanDuel, for instance, at plus 5,000, are either quarterback in this game going to catch their own pass? We saw Lamar Jackson do it just a week ago. Will we see it in a couple of weeks from now? You're going to want to go and check out FanDuel right away, especially right now if you are a new customer, because new customers, if you join today, you're going to get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. That's all you got to do. It could be minus 5,000 in terms of the odds, a heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. If you put $5 down on your very first bet and you win, $200 in bonus bets head your way. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Great notes for you from today's first day at the Senior Bowl, including uh, some takeaways from Jeff Ireland's press conference with us, uh, a good look at what's going on with Pete Carmichael. We'll break that down. But I want to start off with some of the Senior Bowl standouts and some of the folks to keep your eyes on. Don't forget, we are your team every day. Coming back tomorrow, I'll give you more Senior Bowl standouts, more notes, keep you completely up to date with everything going on on the OC spot. If you want things sooner, text Houdat to 504-285-7473. I was texting with our Locked On uh, Insiders, our Locked On Saints Insiders all throughout the day, letting people know what was going on, what I was hearing, all that. So if you want to get it quicker, the Locked On Saints Insider program is the way to do that. All right. So let's take a look at the standouts from the New Orleans Saints, or not from the New Orleans Saints, but me looking at it from a New Orleans Saints lens when it comes to the Senior Bowl. So I want to shout out um, a couple of guys that we've talked about here on the show before. Theo Johnson, the tight end out of Penn State, uh, was the fastest timed tight end on his team, the national team at 17.85 miles per hour. Why is that impressive? Oh, because he's six foot six, 257 pounds in his way in yesterday. A guy built like that ain't supposed to be moving like that, but he'd be doing it though. And it was a lot of fun to watch. He had a big old catch from Bo Nix to wrap up national practice in team drills, over routes, nice running, good fluid movements, all that good stuff. Absolutely loved watching Theo Johnson today. Good stuff. Also saw a really nice day out of another guy that we've talked about before, Oregon State offensive tackle, Talise Fuaga, uh, six foot five, 332 pounds, shorter than Theo Johnson, but weighs a lot more than Theo Johnson and could not be bothered by any of these edge rushers, whether it was Leatu Latu, whether it doesn't matter who it was. Nobody bothered Fuaga all day. And I absolutely loved watching him just dominate over on the offensive line. So that's an offensive line and a tight end. Those are two spots where the New Orleans Saints should be interested, particularly on the offensive line. And Talisa Fuaga, that's one of those guys that is a first rounder. Um, Theo Johnson, one of those guys that can move up into day two, could be a day three guy as well. So good range there in terms of all that. Uh, another guy that stood out, USC wide receiver Brendan Rice. Haven't talked about him on the show before. Six foot two, 212 pounds. Just couldn't be bothered. Another guy couldn't be bothered with anybody that was hanging around him. There was a, a corner number 22 that was out there that was just holding and grabbing and raking and pulling people down and all that. And Bren, Brendan Rice was just fighting through all of it. The guy's release is super good. Does a very good job at sort of like stacking and creating initial separation or natural separation by decelerating and then accelerating to get that corner slowing down and moving a little bit more modular, a little bit more staccato behind him, and then being able to split from that really fantastic performance from Brendan Rice, a guy that has like slightly been on my radar, but like fits the X receiver mold, is a big body, 
knows how to create separation and can fight through contact and make contested catches. Definitely a name to watch in this year's NFL draft uh, as the New Orleans Saints should be looking for that style of wide receiver. Over on the defensive side of the football, I'm going to highlight two players, Cam Hurt, the North, uh, excuse me, not North Dakota, the Notre Dame cornerback, six foot two, two oh four, physical, big, built, strong, um, does a fantastic job just like locking horns with these wide receivers and not going down. Uh, there was a Toledo corner, Mitchell, that was like that as well. Like both of these guys just physical and winning and winning and winning and winning in those wide receiver reps. And I'm not just talking about like one-on-ones. I'm talking about team drills, things like that too. Both those guys stood out. And then Colin King, the uh, Penn State cornerback, 5'11", 189. He's built very small, but goodness gracious, is he physical. Like Despite that size and despite that weight uh, in terms of his weigh-in, physical, really good, uh, great anticipator, understands sort of like concepts that are developing in front of him, very aggressive, jumps routes, all those other things. So really great to see uh, a good day for him as well. One guy that I wanted to highlight that we uh, listed as one of our Senior Bowl watch guys, uh, Peyton Wilson, the NC State linebacker who weighed in at six foot four, 234, really, really good size there, ran as the second fastest national linebacker, national team linebacker, 19.1 miles per hour right behind at 20.1 miles per hour, the first place guy. So just one mile an hour uh, behind that, that's moving. And that was the big thing that we highlighted was his ability to get sideline to sideline, his coverage ability, his uh, acceleration, his athleticism, all those things. You absolutely saw it all over the field today. So that's six players that stood out for me uh, today, including a bunch of new names we haven't talked about here on the show before. Uh, let's take a look at Jeff Ireland's press conference real quick. I'm not going to roll any clips from it. I'm just going to give you a couple little talking points that I thought were interesting. There's a lot of stuff that we've heard from Dennis Allen that we've heard from Mickey Lewis. These guys are incredibly aligned. Everybody's on the same company line and stuff like that. It's working. Uh, but there were a couple of things that he said that I thought were unique. Uh, when he was talking about Trevor Penning, he was really high on the fact that like Trevor Penning still has a lot of ex- still has a lot of um, um, athleticism, still has a, a ton of strength in his game and all these other things, and sort of made it more clear than anybody else that they're not ready to give up on Trevor Penning. And he even acknowledged, like he basically said, "Look, it's not my decision," but he did acknowledge that Trevor Penning could play on the inside. Like he felt that he could play on the inside, had the tool set, the skill set to be able to do that. It wouldn't be Jeff Ireland's call to do that. That would be the Saints coaching staff and all those other things. But just interesting to finally hear somebody say it out loud from within the organization. I still think that would be a bad call. Let tackles play tackle, right? And if it doesn't work, then move on from that tackle. But it doesn't sound like the Saints are ready to move on from Trevor Penning, which is good because I think they gave up on him a little quickly and a little abruptly, right? Like talk about a guy that only had one offseason that has been dealing with injuries, things like that. They gave him four games and then they were like, pull him, right? Just like Sandman at the Apollo swept him off the stage, never to be seen or heard of again. Like it was just abrupt and weird and like just didn't make sense. We never even saw in the jumbo packages after that and everything. So I'm glad to hear one of them acknowledge like, hey, we have not given up on this guy and there's still a lot of things that we feel like we'll get him where he needs to go. So that was great to hear. Uh, the other thing was uh, just about like the value of scouting at this point. I think oftentimes, and I just wanted to remind you know you of this or or tell you about this in case you didn't didn't think about this, but we have to remember that first of all, when it comes to the scouts, they've been scouting these players that we're watching here in Mobile for years. For the coaches, this is their first introduction. The coaches have been busy. Coaches ain't been watching college football tape. They're not watching tape on prospects during the season. They're coaching, right? They're trying to get ready for the games and all that. And then when the season ends, they go through evaluations and all this other stuff. 
So this was really like the Senior Bowl kind of marks the first sort of introduction or the first touch point, first impression for players on coaches and coaches to players. And the reason why I bring that up is because even though this is the first part, this is where everything begins, not just for the NFL draft, but as I spoke with Jeff Ireland off to the side, I was talking to him a little and I was asking him, like, where else do you utilize all this? It can be free agency for these guys in four years when their rookie contracts are up and they hit the market. It could be the trade market in three years when they got one year one year left on their rookie deal and they want to get moved. Baltimore Ravens did that. The Baltimore Ravens did that with Roquan Smith. They looked back to their scouting pages from when they were dra- scouting him as a draft prospect. And that was one of the big things that led to them making the move to trade for him when he became available from the Chicago Bears. These decisions, these evaluations, things like that are not limited to just what happens in April. They're huge for what happens in terms of managing this team moving forward. So really good just sort of insight in all that and why this week uh, becomes really, really important. Where you get an opportunity to see like the baseline of where they are with their personalities, with interviews, taking coaching, all those other things, expecting that they're going to mature from there gives you pretty good insight of how teams make decisions on some of these very same players four, five, 10 years from now. Think Derek Carr, Dennis Allen, for instance, uh, or don't if you would rather not. Uh, and then finally, I want to look at um, just this this Pete Carmichael situation in in what is easily the most shocking move of the entire offseason. Pete Carmichael is going to go and join Sean Payton in Denver. Um, I'm being I'm I'm being sarcastic. Obviously, it's not that shocking at all. We've all kind of expected that this would be the case, um, but it is it is kind of cool to see, right? Like, I mean, but it, it is a really good example again of like how important previously existing relationships are in the league. That's why hires like. Zach Robinson going to Atlanta with Raheem Morris is more of a statement about the relationship between Zach Robinson and Raheem Morris than it is a statement about any of the other jobs that are open and all that. So um, it it was an interesting thing to see to just kind of parallel what we're also seeing happening around the NFL, Um, coaches staying with their teams that they were already with or moving with guys that have already moved from their team to new teams and things like that. But um, the expectation is that, of course, he will not be the offensive coordinator in uh, Denver, but instead that he is likely to take on a role akin to senior offensive assistant, which would be the same role that you would expect for a John Gruden if the Saints were to add him to their coaching staff. So that's all of our news, notes, stuff like that from the Senior Bowl, as well as um, ranking the OC spots, why Clint Kubiak is maybe the last best chance for the New Orleans Saints when it comes to OC. Uh, we're going to keep you up to date with everything else going on around your New Orleans Saints, especially that OC search, and especially right here in Mobile when it comes to covering the Senior Bowl every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We appreciate you very much, or in here on Locked On Saints. We appreciate you very much for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day for your second listen. Make sure you go and check out Caroline Fenton over at Locked On LSU. Phenomenal recruiting classes that they're building over there. Lots of good stuff happening. Go and check that out. And then, of course, uh, Jake Madison over at Locked on Pelicans to figure out just what the heck is happening with the Pelicans. Appreciate you, as always, for making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine, for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.